I'm Bishop Sherman Young. Each week, the Word Break podcast answers questions about God, faith, and other spiritual issues. Here is this week's message. And all the people said amen. Amen. For the next 90 days, I'm going to talk to you on living intentional or intentional living. This month, the month of April, I'm going to speak to youth and young adults. The month of May, I'm going to talk to the women and the month of June to men. The April series is entitled Dare to Dream. The month of May, the series is entitled Wise Woman, and that's for women who want to win. The month of June will be God's man, and that's for men who would be mighty. I'd like to start today with the series Dare to Dream. Next Sunday, I'm going to talk to the youth from the topic, The Remix. But today, I want to talk about weighing my options. As I get started today, I'm particularly interested in those who were born between 1991 and 2003. Would you stand if you were born between 1991 and 2003? Anywhere over that span. Praise the Lord for them, will you? That's a strong number. Thank you. You'd be surprised how few churches have people born in that window. Now, those who stood are young millennials. There are older millennials, and those are those who were born between 1983 and 1992. They are also millennials, but the ones who just stood are the younger millennials. If you were born from 2003 until now, you are called a digital native. Digital natives are those uh, young people and children who understand all the workings of technology almost instantly. But those who stood are the ones I want to talk to primarily today as I talk to everyone on the subject weighing my options. Would you say that everyone? Weighing my options. This is sermon one in the Dare to Dream series for the month of April. I'd like to start off today reading this scripture to those of you who stood up. It is Mark 8 and beginning at the 34th verse. Jesus is speaking something very profound here. Mark 8, 34 through 37. It said, when Jesus had called the people to himself and his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul. I want to read this again from the Message Bible translation, the Message Bible. It reads like this. 
Calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, and you have it in front of you. Can we all read it together starting here? <clears throat> Let's read with strong voices. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving your life, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Now, did that read as powerfully to you as it did to me? Let me read it to you. Jesus said, follow me, and I will show you how self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way. To what, Jesus? Saving your life or saving yourself, your true self. <laughs> what good would it do to get everything you want and lose you? the real you. What could you ever trade your soul for? Thank you, ushers. There are several questions that we need to address over these few minutes. One is, how can I find the real me? Another would be, how do I know this is the real me? Another is, why do I stay where I'm not benefited? Another is, can low self-esteem and faith coexist in the same person? And another is, is social media driving my feelings and feeding my faith and adding to my anxiety? Let's talk about these things for a while understanding something about self, the real me. How do I know that it's the real me? Why do I stay in a relationship when it's killing me? Is it possible that I can have low self-esteem and be a praying person? And am I on Facebook, Instagram, and Snap? and other sites too much. So much to the point that I'm making my decisions based on what I'm reading about the lives of others. There are several P's that I want us to talk about and let's get right into it. The first one is possibilities, number one. Can we all say together, possibilities. I must believe that I'm gifted in life for something and at whatever it costs, it must be attained. When we talk about the purpose for living, why am I on the earth? I have to recognize that my life has a purpose. So many are like me. You were born accidentally. So many of us 
came into the world without a real good context. Born to poor mothers and sometimes single mothers. Sometimes poor mothers and poor fathers. We came into this world with all of the odds against us. Born in a headwind because we were black, because we were economically deprived, because we came from a neighborhood <laughs> that did not have any high achievers at all. And we were born into a family with low achievement. It caused a lot of us to never really know that we were born for a purpose. And we have to understand and believe that number one, I am gifted. Can the church say, I am gifted? But I'm not just gifted, I'm gifted for something. There's a reason why I'm gifted. There's a reason why I have talent. There's a reason why I can conduct myself the way that I can. There's a reason for it. And I must be willing to pay everything I have to attain that purpose. So here's what Jesus said. If you want to follow me, you need to know first of all, following me has great benefit. I am going to take over your life and I'm going to turn you into a champion. That if you follow me, I guarantee you that you will always be a victor and never a victim. I'm, I guarantee you that if you follow me, everything you dream is something that I've deposited inside of you so that you can become what I created you to become. And the reason why Jesus can do that is because he is the manufacturer. He knows the purpose of every life and he is the only one who knows every man and every woman's purpose. And in the younger years of my life, in my young adulthood, that's when I began to lay hold on why I'm in the world. That's why the devil is after destroying teenagers. Look at what happens in the school shootings. Look at what happened in Parkland. Look at what happens across the United States. Why do we see so many killings of young people? All you have to do is go back in the Bible. There are two cases of that, and both cases dealt with male infanticide. The first one had to do with Moses. Because Moses had been born and God had a purpose for Moses, the devil had all boy babies killed. Trying to get the one that God sent, not knowing exactly who he was, but God had a plan that spared Moses' life. Go to the beginning of the New Testament, you find the same thing true for Jesus. When Jesus was about two years old, the wise men came from the Orient looking for a baby born king. And here the devil again, not knowing exactly who it was, killed all boy babies two years and under. Trying to get to Jesus, but God had a plan for him. Why are these children being killed? Why, what is the devil really after? Why is it that we have to hear about this time after time, time after time? Young people cut down in the prime of their learning years. It must be because Satan knows that somewhere out there, God has planted people with purpose. 
And his desire is to cut you down before you ever get a chance to walk in your destiny. But thank God for those of you who are in this room because you begin to understand there is a purpose in your being here. You're not just here because you were born from a mother or you were made <clears throat> from a mother and father. You're not just here because there was no abortion. You're here because God has a purpose for your life. And Jesus said, if you follow me, number one, you got to let me lead, which means that you have to understand that it's not self-help, but self-sacrifice. And that's hard for us, isn't it? It's hard for all of us, no matter what our age is, to give up our agenda for an unknown agenda. We think that if I don't have it all laid out and if I don't have the goals and if I don't have the dreams, then I'm not doing well. But whatever goal and dream you have, you still have to let the Lord lead because he knows exactly where he wants to place you in the whole scheme of things in order that his will can be done. So it's not about God being the co-pilot, it's about letting him be the pilot. It's not about God helping me, it's about me allowing God to lead me. So the question isn't who's going to let me, but who can stop me. Let me try that again. I said the question in my life is not who's going to let me, but who can stop me. Because what I found out is that when you yield to the Lord, you become unstoppable. You may have ups and downs. You may have highs and lows. You may have what you think are setbacks. But the truth is that just because you don't understand the path doesn't mean that you're not headed to the destination. I appreciate the GPS. I have it on all of my electronic devices and in my automobile. I appreciate the GPS, but the GPS sometimes carries me on routes that I don't like. But then when I investigate closer, what I found out is that my GPS looked up the road and saw a roadblock. There was an accident, or they've got the, the junction shut down downtown Birmingham. And so Waze will let me know, although this is the normal route that everybody else has taken, don't you take that route because there's trouble ahead. And it will send me sometimes through a neighborhood or send me up a county road or send me in a, into a place around a mountainside. I don't like it, but it's the best way to get to where I need to go. Somebody say, I want the best way. See, the best way is not always the popular way. The best way is not always the best known way because the best way is the best way for me. Now, the best way for me may not be the best way for Rude because I've got my life to live and he's got his life to live. I have my destiny and he has his destiny. The wrong thing for me to do is to follow the crowd because the crowd says this is the best way. I have to know the way for me. And so we deal with inner voices in our lives. We, we hear voices talking to us. Now that doesn't mean that we're psychotic and it doesn't mean that we need a therapist. But all of us have three voices 
that we have to watch out for and be careful about. Feeling, reason, and conscience. Would you say that? Feeling, come on, reason, and conscience. Now, feeling is the voice of my flesh or my body. I don't feel good today. I, don't, I, I feel better today. I feel so enough good today. That's the voice of my body. My body is feeling good. My body is not headachy or I, I'm allergic to stuff. I don't feel good today. Your body speaks to you in the area of feeling. But then reason is the voice of my mind. It's me thinking logically or using my intellect to work things out. And conscience is the voice of my spirit. Now, my body and my mind, which is my soul, is what the Bible calls the flesh. Can the church say the flesh? Say it better, please. The what? The flesh. But the spirit in me is, is what God put inside of me. When you accepted Jesus as your savior, God awakened your spirit man. All right, come on with me now. There, there are three in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, we're made in the image of God, so that means that there are three of us. There is my flesh or my physical body, there is my soul, and there is my spirit. Well, my spirit is the place where God's spirit lives. And I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Let's try that. Can we learn that today? I am a what? Spirit. I have a what? I have a soul and I live in a what? Listen, your body is not you. Your body is the house where you live. Don't let your body get you in trouble. Let me try that again. Your body is not you. You are a spirit. That's why when you die, we put the remains down front for a funeral. But we know good and well, that's not you. You've relocated. You've moved upstairs. And someday there will be a reuniting like Jesus at the resurrection of the spirit and the body. I wish I had some help. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. His spirit goes back to God. Well, his body goes in Joseph's new tomb. When you read Ephesians chapter 4, it said his soul descended into hell and preached to the Old Testament saints that were down there waiting on him to come and then his soul carried them to heaven and then on the resurrection day, his spirit, his soul, and his body were reunited for the resurrection. Well, that's the way it is with us. The problem with us is we listen to our feeling more than we do our conscience. Let me try that again. We like to do what feels good. You know why, right? Because it what? I don't have enough help here. 
Where are the ones that stood up a little while ago? Don't you, do, don't, don't you like doing what feels good? Maybe we ought to go down the list of some of the stuff that feels good. I don't have any help here. Come on, I mean, at your age, we can go right down the list. We can talk about all types of physical activity that in most cases trumps our good judgment. I'm going to do it because it feels good to do it. We're really addicted to making the flesh feel good. I don't have a witness that's bold enough to say amen right here. But those who are older will testify they've gotten in a lot of trouble in their life doing something because it felt good. Because no matter how good it feels, it don't always end up good. Come on, doing what feels good can get you put in jail. Doing what feels good can get you in a fight. Doing what feels good can get you put outdoors. Doing what feels good can destroy your future. You got to watch the feel goods. Don't listen to the voice of your body. Then you have to be careful about reason, the voice of your mind or your soul, because there are times when things think better than they act out. You say, but it just makes sense. Yeah, but just because it makes sense doesn't mean that it's the right road. Especially when we talk about faith in God because most of the stuff that God leads us to do don't make sense to nobody. But his thoughts, what does the Bible say? Are not like our thoughts. The word says his ways aren't like our ways. His thoughts aren't like our thoughts. The way God thinks is not the way that we think. The way that we think is based on how good it feels or how bad it feels. I may enroll in college because it feels good. I may not go to class because that don't feel good. See, it feels good for me to go and brag that I've been accepted in Auburn University. That feels good. But it feels bad when I got to get up and go to class. It's logical that I need to be in school, but I have to be careful because the mind is twisted. And the mind, most thoughts are Luciferian, or the, most thoughts come from Lucifer. Because our thoughts are worldly. Our thoughts are competitive. Our thoughts are often comparing our lives with somebody else. So if I'm on Facebook and I keep reading about this and that and that and that, I have to be careful that I don't let it run my thoughts. Because I see somebody booed up with somebody. Doesn't mean that I need to take a picture with somebody and put my boo out there with me. See, I have to be careful that I'm not running a competitive race with friends that aren't even my friends at all. Just because I have 3,772 friends or just because I got 2,300 followers does not mean that I need to compete with them on the decisions for my life. 
So would you say, I have to watch my feelings and I have to watch my reason. Your conscience is the voice of the spirit. But the next P, number two, procrastination. There are possibilities for every person. Possibilities. You're 16, there are possibilities, especially in this world. 75 years ago, to be 16, did not have near the possibilities that we have now. You're 16 now? Listen, the world is your stage. You can do almost anything that's possible. The problem is, although you're blooming for that at 16, you wait until you're 26 to try to get started. Now, 26 ain't no bad age to get started. Start on out. But I just want to say, don't waste time. Because once you waste time, you can never get it back. Procrastination. What is procrastination? Procrastination means delay. Putting it off. Taking too long to get serious about life. Staying high all the time. Playing video games all the time, hanging around, hanging out all the time. It does four things to us when we do that. Number one, it denies privilege. When I put off working as I should, when I put off accomplishment, when I put off achievement, I'm denying myself years of privilege and opportunity. So that by the time I get ready to go to college, I'm sitting in a classroom with a bunch of teenagers. And I'm so old, they're calling me sir and ma'am. I'm actually older than the professor I'm sitting up under. Now that's not wrong. At the same time, I've denied myself privileges. Number two, it demonstrates poor judgment. When you procrastinate, it means that you're not thinking. You're not making decisions. Here's the worst of all. You're afraid to take the plunge. You will never be successful in life being afraid to be wrong. Successful people are those who've learned how to be wrong and not let wrong conquer them. There's no such thing as a successful champion that did not lose along the way. You know, I'll be honest with you, and I've had help from some men like Arthur and, and uh, Vernon and some other fellows around here and Rube and Mr. Cole. I don't like putting stuff together. I'm old school. If I go buy some furniture, I want the furniture I'm buying in the store. Don't give it to me in a box. Sandra, you know what I'm saying? Don't give it to me in a box. I mean, if it's a table, let me buy a table. If it's a cabinet, let me buy a cabinet. I don't like opening a box and there are 25 pieces in it and some screws and some bolts and some instructions. I have to call somebody. I mean, it makes my head hurt. I, I call Arthur, I call Vernon, I call Rube, I call Cole. Hey, can you guys put this together? Because I can't do it. 
You know why, as a man, I don't like to do it? Because I don't know how. Let me tell you something about a man, ladies. If you want to, to really mess him up, give him an assignment on something he don't know how to do. He will fuss. He will put it off. He'll walk by it every day, every week, every month. Finally, come on, some of the sisters know what I'm saying. The sister will get in there and do it herself. Then he gets mad all over again. I told you I was going to do it. Yeah, dude, that was eight months ago. You know why he didn't do it? Men don't handle ignorance well. If I don't know how to do something, I'd rather act like it can't be done or it shouldn't be done. Oh, I don't have a witness around here. Listen, that's poor judgment. The reason why some won't go to school is because you're afraid you'll flunk. You don't know how to work those problems out. You don't know how to study. Oh, I wish I had a... I wish I had a witness here. A person was raising a son and she got mad. Mothers, come on, you know how you get mad sometimes. You got like a six, seven-year-old child and you're trying to get them to get their basics down. And finally she got mad. She said, boy, go in your room and study. And the boy went in there for about 10 minutes and he came back out the door crying, going down the hall. She said, what are you crying about? The boy said, I wish I knew what it meant to study. He didn't know how to study. That was me. Growing up in school, the teachers would always say, study. I'd always say, how? Do you know you have to learn how to learn? Let me try that again. See, your child may not need that medication. I know the doctor said you need to give them meds every day because you say, well, they got attention deficit disorder. They, the, the truth is you may have a brilliant child on your hand that knows how to multitask. They can do this, that, and that all at the same time. But you have to learn how to learn. You have to be taught how to learn. Most people don't know how to take notes. You say, sure they do. They've got something to write with or type on. Sure, just take a few notes. But have you found out if you're trying to follow my sermon, I have to give you the notes? The reason I give you the notes is because I don't know if you know how to take notes. So since I don't know whether you know how to take notes or not, I'd rather furnish you with the notes and you fill them in so we can walk together or else you'll be trying to write something down when I've already moved on to something else. You'll miss what I'm saying because you're trying to write down what I said. And maybe when it's time for homework, Mom, maybe you ought to sit in the room with them and read a book rather than talk on the phone. Maybe you ought to get right there with them every evening and they're working on their stuff and you're working on your stuff. You're working on a church project or you're working on something to better yourself or you've got some course that you're taking and you all are doing homework together rather than going 
in that room while I go out here and do what I want to do. But I'll save that for another time. Procrastination denies privilege, demonstrates poor judgment, and then it destroys prosperity. Rube, how much more money would I have now had I been on my P's and Q's when I was a teenager? I got my first full-time job at 17 years old. I worked from 11 at night to 7 a.m. in the morning at Bryce Hospital and then went to high school as a senior from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. When I got out of high school, I still working 11 at night to 7 in the morning, I got a part-time job at the shoe store at McFarland Mall from 9 a.m. To, to 1 p.m. Man, I ought to have money running out of my ears by now. See, I believe in work. Does anybody else in this room believe in work? I believe when you're old enough to work, you ought to be working. I'm not being nosy. I'm just preaching the truth here. The truth is God works. When Jesus came in Mark chapter, John chapter 5, he said the Father works and I work also. Jesus has a job. He gave Adam a job when he made Adam. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Take care of this. Have dominion over this. Gave Eve a job. Everything that God makes works. The Holy Ghost works. I don't see no reason why you ought not be working. Sisters, y'all help me now. Because we don't need another generation of young men laying on the couch while the woman's going to work. Procrastination destroys prosperity. You don't want to know what I did with my first check for my full-time job. They wrote me a letter and said, you will earn $260 bi-weekly, which back then was a good paycheck. Man, when you work for the state of Alabama and I was working at Bryce Hospital, I wasn't getting minimum wage. I was getting double of what minimum wage was at 17 years old. Oh, and back then, I bought me some clothes. Back then. Back then, Philip, I, you could get in the brother's lounge without ID. I start going to the Brothers Lounge. Some of y'all remember the Citizen Club. You used to ride down there. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Back then, I was, you know, I'm being a grown man. Back then, I could go to the Zippy Mart and I could, you know, buy me a few cigarettes back then. After all, I'm still a minor. I'm 17, but I got my own paycheck. Driving my own car. I don't have a witness here. I said back then, I pick up the girls, James Williams, and we go to the movies, and then we go other places. Back then, I let that soak in a minute. I know some more y'all around here been peeping, sliding, and tipping and hiding under the cover of darkness. I blew my first check 
totally. By the time they paid me again, I was flat broke. Anybody here ever been paid every two weeks and the check only lasts one week? And because I messed up the first check, I messed up the second check. By that time, it started feeling good to have money and spend it. So for the whole time I worked, I spent and never saved. Because you know what I said? I'm young and I got time. 20 years later, I looked at what I had accumulated and it was pitiful. Because I set myself in a pattern. I put off my prosperity. That's procrastination. So that's number four. It deepens poverty. It denies privilege. It demonstrates poor judgment. It destroys prosperity. And it deepens poverty. Let's talk about potential and I'm going to let you go. There is potential. Everybody please say potential. Jesus said, if you come after me, <clears throat> deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But here's what he said. He said in the Message Bible, anyone who intends to come to me has to let me leave. Elbow your neighbor and say, the Lord won't ride shotgun. <laughs> See, that's what most folk, church folk want with the Lord, to be their shotgun. Kill my enemies. You know, if I'm broke, rob a bank for me. The Lord, the Lord don't ride shotgun. He's not the deputy. He has to be the sheriff. He said, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Preacher, what kind of suffering is he talking about? He's talking about you suffering to save your money rather than spend it. See, we think the suffering he's talking about is let folks stone you and let them put you on a cross. No, when you make good choices, it hurts. Do I have a witness? It hurts to not spend that check on some entertainment. It hurts that your friends are going to a party or going to a concert, but you made a commitment that you're going to have $10,000 in place before you turn 21 years old. I said it hurts. It hurts when your car is raggedy, when somebody else in your neighborhood or one of your Facebook friends is driving the cleanest car in town. I said it hurts. It hurts. I think I told you when I was in Akron, they drove me by LeBron's house. He lives in Akron. Big mansion in an ordinary neighborhood. And I asked, I asked my host, why does he live over here? He said, because he grew up in the projects down the street. And when he was growing up in the projects down the street, he always said, if I ever make it, this is the neighborhood I want to live in. Listen, that's what you want. Write your own ticket. You don't, you don't want to have to try to impress anybody else or prove anything to anybody else. But LeBron will tell you, you don't become a champion by wishing you were one. 
You got to work out. I wish I had a witness. You can't eat anything you want to eat, drink anything you want to drink. You can't smoke anything you want to smoke. You can't go out when you want to go out. You got to work sunrise to sunset. Because if you suffer now, you can celebrate later. But if you celebrate now, you're going to suffer later. Do I have a witness in this house? Somebody in this house is suffering right now because you spent your young years celebrating. Jesus said, follow me, I'll show you how. He said, I will introduce you to your true self. Your true self. Your true self. He said, you lose the real you and I'll take care of you. Potential. Number one is your vision and I'm through with this one. I'll pick up the rest next Sunday. The, re the rest of the presentation. This, this, this section will end me. Your, your, your vision. Everybody say vision. Come on, say it again, please. Vision. Now, I got a little problem. I, I was uh, looking at a, a, a young church's advertisement the other day. And, and that's something that I do. I coach young churches, new churches, and church plants. And the pastor and his wife had a very nice picture of themselves on that. And the church had a really nice name. But the, the, the slogan for their church was, the place where dreams come true. Now, our slogan has to do with the word witnessing and worship. Okay? Church is not for dreams. Church is for vision. Let me try it again. Write the vision. Make it plain. That he may run that reads it. You know what will mess you up? Is trying to get a dream. See, dreams and fantasies kind of go together. Anybody in here ever had a fantasy? Not a one of y'all, nobody but me. When you were in high school, how many of y'all, and some of you did, how many of y'all married the person that you said when you were in the 11th grade, that's who I'm going to marry? See, some of y'all did. Look around. Some of y'all did. But look how few y'all did. Because some of us didn't. And then when we saw him later, we're glad we didn't. Do I have anybody here but thank the Lord that that dream didn't come true? I mean, you was out at the mall one day. They come walking down the hall, and you had to squint your eyes and get refocused three or four times. Say, is that? No, that couldn't be them. That is them. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Now, I don't mean no harm, but running behind a dream can get you all jacked up. I don't mean no harm now. You got to be careful about chasing dreams. A dream is something to inspire you. But a vision is different than a dream. A vision is your, your overall life's plan. Where a dream is something that you think might help that plan to work. Are you hearing me? We're going to build a building out on the land out here. Somebody say amen. Somebody say God is going to stretch our faith. God's going to what? Stretch our faith. But listen, the building is not vision. That's a dream. 
That's why you, when you build that house, you call it your dream house. Oh, girl, I finally got my dream house. Yeah, and a tornado can tear it down tonight. A fire can burn it up tomorrow. But a vision is something that fire nor storms cannot destroy. If a tornado tore this building down, the vision of Carver would still live. We would still meet, we would still have church, we would still help the community, we would still do mission work, we would still do what Carver does because this building does not tell us who we are. Honey, when I ask you who you are, don't tell me where you work. Your job don't define you. If I ask you who you are, don't tell me who you married to. Your husband and your wife don't define you. You got to have vision, but number two, you got to have values. I'm, I'm hearing the Holy Ghost. I'll stop there. Everybody say values. Say it again, please. You got to have what? Now, listen, these are Sherman's values. Not Bucci's values, Sherman's values. See, Sherman ought to have some values. So that if you invite me into something, I got to run it by my values first. See, everybody can't get away with the same stuff. You, you, ever, <laughs> you ever had an battle when you were growing up? Get in trouble and get right out. Some of them never got caught. You did it one time and got busted. You did it one time and went home and your mama, it's like she was following you around. She knew what you'd been doing. Now, you didn't have a mother like mine. Let me tell you what my mama would do. When I'd hide stuff in the house I wasn't supposed to have. Because I grew up in a time, and I've got a few people like this, it, it's not the time I grew up, it's the folk I grew up with because they were old folk. They didn't believe in playing cards. Now, I go around and play spades now and, you know, uh, uh, blackjack and all that. But back then, anybody remember when black folk thought that cards was the devil? And checkers. And Lord, don't bring any dice around. Well, Vanessa, I had some dice in the house and a deck of cards. Now, your mama not like mine. See, your mama would have been waiting on you at the door with them in her hand and probably beat you half to death. Not my mama. My mama took them and put them on the bed and didn't say a word. Because when I walked in the room, you know, I'm going in the room like short of the pimp, you know, walk with a limp. I'm all cool and all that, you know. I got big hair. I got big Bootsy Collins glasses on. Got my elephant legs on, you know, my turtleneck. Got my medallion hanging around my neck. And I walk in the room, and there are my dice and my cards laying on my bed. You know what I got to do then, right? Go to the kitchen where she is. See, sometimes, Mom, you overreact so fast that you don't let them think about their wrong before you knock the hell out of them. 
Oh, I don't have a witness, but I'm going to preach it anyhow. See, some, sometimes you, you don't let them get ready, ready for the punishment. Here I go. All the limp gone out of me now, and I'm walking in the kitchen. And when I get in the kitchen, first thing out of my mouth is, you've been in my room. My room? I ain't paid no rent. I don't have no mortgage. That's the room she lets me stay in. But it really ain't my room. Talking about privacy. Well, you know, I, well, I got rights. I got privacy. No, you ain't got no money. Money buys privacy. I'm through. You give me three minutes. Man, I take my, my used-to-be cool self in that kitchen. And I'm trying to have a little strength in my voice because my voice changed when I was 12. You've been in my room. She said, yes. Anything you want to tell me? See, see, that messed me up. No, it ain't nothing I want to tell you. I didn't even want you to find the stuff in my room. That's why I hid it. You say it's playing cards wrong. No, it's playing checkers wrong. Absolutely not. You say it's playing dice wrong. No. But the reason they instilled that in me was because those things are connected to a culture that perverts it and turns it into something addictive. Some people are alcoholics. Others gamble. And because those were tools for gambling, my father and mother didn't want me associated with that because they were trying to protect me. See, that's what Jesus is saying. Let me protect you. He's saying, I'm not telling you don't have sex as a teenager to hurt you. I'm telling you that to protect you. But you don't realize that I'm protecting you because you're so young. So suffer with it. You said, Bishop, suffer with it. Oh, Bishop, you know now, you know, you get all hot and horny. How you going to suffer? Did I just say that? I lost myself. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, you got to suffer with it. See, that's why you don't get in the dark places at the end of the drive. That's why, young lady, you don't go to a man's hotel room because ain't nothing in that room but a bed. So well, I'm just going up there to talk. Well, you ain't got to go to where no bed is to talk. They talking in the lobby. They talking in the restaurant. They talking sitting out on the sidewalk. If there's a bed in the room, it means some bedroom activity has been planned for you. But I, I got my rights. Yeah, but when that burning sensation starts working on you, I don't have a witness here. The Bible said it's better to marry than to burn in lust. When that lust starts burning, 
Then you get to teasing with it, you know, this far, no more. I'm going this far, that's all I'm going to do. I'll let you kiss me now, that's it now. Well, yeah, I'll let you kiss me again, but that's it now. Well, you do, you do, you like the way I kiss, you do? Well, come on, kiss me again, but that's it now. And honey, after a while, I, I said feeling is the voice of your body. After a while, your body gets to talking. It's called body language. How come I lost all of my help? It must be some folk in here know what I'm talking about. And when that body language gets to talking, it's like it's got a microphone. remember your values and young lady you want to go but the dude's body is talking too oh help me Holy Ghost cause I'm about to lose my crowd now if I say that so don't let me say that Lord let me say it like this the dude don't want you to leave Your values, can you say values? Because decisions must be made according to values. You say, but it's all right. But the aftermath. You know what I found out in life, and I know you'll testify too. Take what you want, but you got to pay for it. Ain't nothing free. Take what you want, but it may cost you your health. Take what you want, but it may cost you 18 years of child support. Come on now. Take what you want, but it might cost you your life. Because if they get to putting it on Facebook that y'all been together, you don't know who may come out of the darkness after you with a Glock. Honey, they shooting folks down now and don't think much about it. Values. My time is up. Let me stop. Play some music before I keep the church too long. Stand to your feet, please.